0: Hey, it's Rochelle, and you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a production of Catholic Answers. Welcome to the place to transform the world by transforming yourself. Hey, everybody, what's up? Uh, we're back again, the beginning of Advent, and we are going to start off by talking about sin. Um, this is the second part to a two-part series or episode called Combating Sin, and I think it's really important to talk about that at the beginning of Advent because we are purifying ourselves and preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus, and so how else to do that than to learn how to combat sin in our lives. All right, so if you are Don't remember what we talked about in the first episode. Maybe go and listen to that. I mean, you don't need to listen to it right now, but at least listen to it after this episode. It'll be really helpful. So, right now, we're going to pick up at what the cause of sin is, right? So, the cause of sin is defined as inordinate self love. That's it. That's super simple, right? Wrong. Okay. I don't know about you, but I'm like, what does that mean? So, Inordinate self-love, when you look up inordinate online in the dictionary, it says disproportionately large or in excess. So based off that, inordinate self-love would mean that you love yourself in excess or in a disproportionately large way. Now, the first thing I think of when I hear that, um, when I hear of someone loving themselves in a disproportionately large way, I think of someone who's a narcissist. Now, I'm not a narcissist, and the odds are that you are not a narcissist either, but we sin all the time. So yeah, not very helpful as a definition. So let's look at it another way. Let's look at the root of sin. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, St. Paul writes, Greed is the root of all evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced their hearts with many pangs. Now, sometimes this translation will say love of money instead of greed, but greed is a truer translation to what Paul originally had written. And actually, an older term used for greed is avarice. And we'll read this in the writings of the church fathers and Aquinas expands on it a lot, so we're gonna stick with avarice. And so from now on, we're just gonna talk about how avarice is the root of all evil. So when we're doing this, we're gonna get to the root of the topic of Mm. sin and how we can combat it. So what is avarice exactly? Peter Crift is totally brilliant. And I don't think I've ever heard him speak or read anything that he's written that I didn't absolutely love. And that goes for this book that he wrote called Back to Virtue where he explains that avarice has two parts. It's agreed to get what you don't have, right? You're trying to get something that you don't already have. And it's also agreed to keep what you already have. Like you have something and you don't want to share it. You don't want to give it up. And isn't that so true? Like, think about it. Every time that you sin, it always boils down to you wanting to get something or wanting to keep something that you already have. And anytime that someone sins against you, it's always from that same place as well. And I hear this and I'm like, wow, that is so freeing. And like, why would I say that? Because we're talking about sin and sin is not freeing. But I say it because think about it. When you know yourself, when you know what you want, what you desire and what you cherish, and you also know what you're afraid of losing, That puts you in a place to actually experience freedom because you're being aware of all of the things that can keep you on your toes and keep you away from the occasion of sin. And also another exciting factor is that if you cultivate the opposite of avarice or greed in your lives, in your hearts, then you will have less occasion for sin anyways because you are um, building up a protection of virtue. So what's the opposite of avarice? Well, I'm glad that you asked. So remember that avarice has two parts. The opposite of wanting or grasping is actually going to be contentment and voluntary poverty. So what does that look like? Now, right off the bat, contentment does not mean settling. Our Father in heaven does not want us to settle. He wants us to thrive, right? So contentment is to see the blessings that we have in everything that he's been that he's given to us and trusting, and that's the key word, trusting that we are where we ought to be and we have what we ought to have for that season of our life. And When I have trouble in this area, I find it very helpful to meditate on scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 32. When I read it, I just see how true it is and how much the Lord provides for me and how much I am where he wants me to be. Now, voluntary poverty. When you hear voluntary poverty, you might think, like I sometimes do, about Jesus telling the rich man to go and sell all of his belongings. Now, that's not quite it. Now, in that situation, that rich man's possessions were a barrier between him and God. So, yeah, they needed to go. I mean, and we can, we can do this in our lives as well. I mean, hey, who was it? St. Anthony of the Desert. He became one of the you know, the most celebrated, well-recognized saints, ascetics, and mystics, of the catholic faith because he heard this reading and he actually did go out and sell everything went to the desert and just lived an ascetic life and just had so much union and depth of intimacy with the lord so if you're called to that then maybe religious life is your thing but if you're not and you have to live in the world you can still live out voluntary poverty and you actually should so here's how we can do it in our daily lives on like a day-to-day basis Instead, when you're like shopping for a purchase, instead of buying the latest model of something, buy a previous model. You know, like don't get the latest and greatest thing. So voluntary poverty isn't exclusive to material items either. It also applies to things like being praised or getting recognition. So in order to combat that, I think like, why not just go out and do great and amazing things just because you were created to do great and amazing things, right? You are a child of God and that's what you were created for. And so every day when you get up, everything that you do, give it 110%, just because that's what you were created to do and don't do it because you are wanting or expecting any sort of praise or accolades. And if anything, you should be want you should want to glorify God in all that you do. Now, Remember the other part of avarice, which is greed to lose what you already have, right? So how do we counter that? So there's three ways. One, liberality. Two, generosity. And three, having mercy on others. So liberality is just giving freely, being liberal, and, that's with your time as well as your possessions, as, word, as well as with words that build up people, and even being liberal with yourself, giving of yourself to people. Now, generosity applies to all of these same things, but always being ready to give more than what's expected, and that you know goes for your time, your possessions, for your words of affirmation, you know, building people up, encouraging others, and just giving of yourself, and then having mercy on others. Well. This is probably the hardest for us. And why is that? Because mercy is costly. And it's because it's not just an attitude that we have towards someone. We have to give someone something good that they don't deserve and that they did not earn. And in fact, what they deserve could sometimes be quite the opposite. So in that moment, when we are being merciful, it feels so contrary to every fiber of our being sometimes, right? Well, at least for me, it does. And I know this from personal experience. I mean, we all do. But for me, very recently, I've had the opportunity to grow in my ability to be merciful to someone who has unjustly persecuted me. And let me tell you, in those moments, I have to die to myself over and over. And not to demand justice or seek justice for myself, but instead to love that person and to uphold their dignity, even though they have not upheld mine. And oh my gosh, let me tell you, it is painful. And even in this moment right now, I can tell you that I'm experiencing like this internal death to self and this welling up of love for this other person. And in that, like I say, it feels like like you are dying to yourself. And that's because mercy is costly. And Peter Crave points that out in like the most clear way when he says that mercy cost God the infinitely precious life of his own son, right? And so mercy is Jesus's death on the cross. And so that's what we do when we're merciful to other people. We die to ourselves and we join that our our internal death to jesus's death on the cross and when we are merciful we're dying to ourselves and that means we are handing over something that we see is ours right we're handing over ourselves but here's the thing we have never belonged to ourselves ever not in the first place we've never belonged to ourselves we belong to god the father and so we're handing ourselves over to god the father in those moments and here's something else to think about when it comes to having mercy on others. When we have mercy on others, we give it away. We give away mercy, we give away love, but then we get it back from the only source that ever really mattered in the long run, the Lord. And that's why he requires us to say it in the Christian's prayer, the Our Father, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That has to do with mercy. And it's important that we learn how to cultivate this in our lives for many reasons, and one of them is that those who can't give mercy, they can't believe that anyone else can give it either. Now, how sad is that? Because that also extends to our deepest perceptions of God the Father, right? If you can't have mercy on someone, you don't expect anyone to be able to do that for you, particularly God the Father. So remember to pray for yourself to increase in mercy, as well as the world in general to increase in mercy, because this really is going to affect all of eternity for all of us. And if you want to hear more about mercy, go back and listen to my episode, Mercy on the Mass, uh, for a little bit of a refresher. It goes back into the um, the Old Testament meaning, and like how, and we're really supposed to retain that meaning and understanding. And if you don't know what that is, go back and listen to that episode, Mercy in the Mass. All right, so moving on. So, remember in part one of this two part episode, we talked about doing a daily examination of conscience, and that consisted of taking a moment to stop, quiet yourself, and be aware of God's presence. And then you would review your day and what happened with Thanksgiving. And after that, you would think of moments when you failed to hit the mark, right? When you failed to live up to God's commands to love. Um, you you didn't love someone or you could have loved someone better. And then after that, you ask for forgiveness and you ask for the grace to be better in those situations tomorrow, right? But now that we know that the root of all of our sins is avarice, when we get to that part, when we recall the moments that we failed to hit the mark, um when we could have loved or loved better, take an additional moment to identify what it was that you were desiring or what you were grasping at, or the thing that you were afraid to lose in that moment. And I promise you, if you do this every day, you'll see a pattern. You'll see, you'll see where your priorities are what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are. Um, and most of all, in doing that in finding out what you are desiring and cherishing and what you're afraid to lose, you'll find so much freedom in knowing yourself and in knowing what you want, what you desire, what you cherish and what you're afraid to lose because being aware of all these things, like I said, they will keep you on your toes and you'll be able to identify these things in new situations so that you can then avoid that occasion of sin. Plus, you can also pray for healing in these areas, right? And that's what we need. We need to be healed. So pray for grace to grow in contentment, voluntary poverty, as well as liberality, generosity, and having mercy on others. Now, if we all start practicing this as soon as possible, I know that we will transform the world by transforming ourselves. So that's it for today's topic and just a quick reminder i don't know if you guys are aware but you can now subscribe to clumsy theosis on spotify how cool is that Um, but if you don't have spotify you can subscribe to this podcast wherever all good podcasts are found please do that tell your friends get everyone listening to clumsy theosis so that we can all transform the world together by transforming ourselves and really being a light to the world and If you are part of our Instagram family, you'll have much more fun. So go ahead and find Clumsy Theosis on Instagram. Follow there, interact there, please. I encourage your private messages, all of that, your topic suggestions. Tell me where you're at in your spiritual life. I love to know because it helps me to help you. And that's what it's all about here. All right, everybody, peace out. Thank you for tuning in this week to Clumsy Theosis. Each week, we explore a topic within the Catholic faith to aid listeners like yourself, as well as yours truly, in the advancement and deepening of the spiritual life and the personal ownership of our relationship with the big guy upstairs and his church. As cliche as it sounds, the world needs you. Become who you were created to be with Clumsy Theosis, the place to transform the world by transforming yourself.